and I'm using the word psychotherapy very generally to cover all of kind of Western practical application of Western psychological um, studies. Yoga and psychotherapy are two completely different disciplines. And they operate on completely different sort systems. Certainly they have a different historical um, background. Psychotherapy in its origins begins with the treatment of a patient. That is a person whose behavior is abnormal. And in general, Western psychology has always dealt with people who were maladjusted to society and who were mentally ill or insane. Yoga, however, begins with the assumption that the disciple is not a patient, that the disciple is in good mental health, that the disciple is well integrated psychologically and is well adjusted to society and to reality in general. Western therapy deals with pre-personal and personal problems of the individual. We know very well from our study of Psychology 101, we've read the whole spectrum of mental disorders from psychosis to borderline disorders, phobias, compulsive behavior, neurotic problems, problems with integrating your feelings, cognitive problems having to do with your relationships. In general, the failure to differentiate at some level in growth and to integrate lower, uh, lower stages of development into the higher, basically problems that deal with the lower mind. Yoga is concerned with problems of the higher mind. That is, problems with the soul. Problems that are inherent in being human and, and in living in the relative world. That is, universal issues which confront all mature adults and not any one particular individual. These problems are sometimes called existential problems. They're all about self-identity, the meaning of life, what is the purpose of life, problems dealing, to, dealing with authenticity, with our own, dealing with our own mortality. Quite a different set of problems than the personal, pre-personal, personal, individual problems dealt with in Western psychology. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> from all of our own experience, and that is what we could call different stages of depression. All of us on occasion have gotten the blues. That means we feel sad for some reason. We feel down as a result of some specific thing has happened. It's an unpleasant, sad feeling of loss, but it comes and it goes. Now deeper than that, is what's called chronic depression. Chronic depression is often called the common cold of psychiatry. And by chronic, they mean 
that it's not, it doesn't come and go. It just hangs around. We're always kind of in that kind of semi-state. And we know very well the symptoms that maybe we're withdrawn from reality. We feel apathetic. We feel uninterested in life. Don't feel like eating, sleeping, disconnected with the world and people around us. We're suffering from chronic depression. But deeper than that is what we could call existential depression. We begin to feel that existential depression when we become aware of the when the when our illusions about life itself begin to collapse. When we become become acutely aware of the fact that we're mortal that we're going to die, when we become preoccupied with our, our problems of self-identity and the purpose of asking ourselves, the purpose of life, when we begin to see, in short, as the, as the Lord Buddha discovered the three great signs of being, all is suffering, all is empty, and all is transient. Kind of depressing, huh? Well... <laughs> That's existential depression. That's when you begin to see clearly the way things really are. Yoga psychology and uh, Western psycho uh, psychotherapy, Western psychology in general, differ also in the means to say so they're dealing with two completely different sets of problems. We see that. But they're also dealing in differing in their means of approach to these problems. Classical psychotherapy is a process of gaining insight through the exploration of the unconscious mind. And they use various techniques, dream analysis, free association, insight, meditation, to bring unconscious material up into consciousness so that it can be integrated and dealt with. Yoga, however, completely ignores the unconscious. It regards, in fact, the emergence of unconscious material as an obstacle to spiritual progress. And yoga is primarily concerned with the reaching not of the exploration of the unconscious, but of the reaching of the superconscious through the practice of meditation and selfless service and different kinds of yoga sadhana. One goes down to look in the cellar. It goes down into the lower mind. The other goes up on the roof, goes up to explore in the higher mind what's been called depth psychology and height psychology. Two completely different domains of study. In order to analyze problems, here's another difference. In order to analyze problems, Western psychotherapy emphasizes the relationship between the therapist and a client. And the therapist has a whole set of qualifications 
that he needs to fulfill in addition to his, his legal licensing and registration. He has all other, a, diff, a whole um, set of qualifications that he needs. Yoga has a completely different perspective on the relationship. It's not the relationship between the therapist and the client, but between the guru and the disciple. And the profile of the guru, that is the, the requirements of uh, characteristics uh, of the qualities of a, of a guru are completely different from those of the qualities of a good therapist. One is the doctor of the mind, the other is the doctor of the soul. And we cannot judge them by the same criterion. And we discuss on other occasions who is a true guru, where we discuss in detail what are the characteristics and qualifications of one who is a true spiritual guide and spiritual teacher. And we make clear on that occasion when we discuss that subject that it's, it's quite radically different from, from um, the characteristics of qualifications of what we would call a therapist or a um, professor of religion. So yoga and psychotherapy, they differ in the means. They also differ quite radically in the ends in view. That is, the goal of therapy, the goal of Western psychology, is to help the abnormal become normal. And uh, to help one cope with the problems of everyday living to help a person come up to the standard of normalcy uh, to become, in fact, a, a well-adjusted, well-integrated, mature person. In fact, the ideal of, of um, this psychology is pretty well summarized in, a, in, the, in the title of a pop psychology book that appeared many years ago. Maybe some of you have read it. I'm okay, you're okay. Remember that title? Well, that's kind of the goal, the purpose, to reach that state when you begin to feel that I'm okay and you're okay. In fact, the purpose then of Western psychotherapy is generally to, to build the structure of the personality, to strengthen the ego, and to help get the ego adjust to, to normalcy. The end of yoga, however, is to transcend the ego. The purpose of yoga is not to strengthen the personality and integrate the personality, but to transcend the personality and to go beyond the person to the transpersonal. That is, to, trend, to go beyond the unconscious to the conscious. That's the progression from the unconscious to the conscious to the superconscious. To go beyond normalcy to the transcendental. And according to the yogis, I'm okay, you're okay, uh, that's not okay. That is, we want to transcend that which is the, the normal mental health, transcend what for, for Western psychology is the ideal, which is self-actualization. The yogis are not content with self-actualization. They aspire to self-realization. The aim of Western therapy is self-integration and actualization. The goal of Eastern therapy, the Eastern yoga psychology, 
is self-transcendence and self-realization. So we see here that there's a complete difference between uh, the theoretical and the applied psychology of both East and West. And uh, historically, there's been very little dialogue between the two. And this is unfortunate, because each one taken alone is incomplete. And in a holistic system of personal growth, we really need both. We need a meeting of East and West, one of the great themes of this Indian Vedanta philosophy, as taught by Swami Vivekananda, that is the meeting of East and West to achieve a harmonious uh, um, vision, which is a, a greater whole. In order to understand this relationship between psychology East and West, we can maybe visualize, my favorite analogy there is to visualize an, a mountain. And if you think of a great mountain and a deep valley, and somewhere in between uh, there, there are the rolling foothills, and, uh, and so we have a metaphor for the unconscious, the conscious, and the superconscious. That is the valley, the foothills, and the mountain. Traditional Western psychology is all about the valley. It's all about exploring the valley, describing what's going on in the valley, mapping the valley, and discovering the psychodynamics of what goes on in that area. Now, most of us, that is most normal people, are in the foothills somewhere. Hopefully, we're not now uh, deep in the valley, but somehow we're living now happily in the foothills. That is, we're somewhere between the unconscious and the superconscious and the conscious mind. And, uh, but yoga is all about how we can begin to climb the mountain. It's not about living in the foothills. It's not about getting out of the valley, but it's about how to climb the mountain. And the fact is, from the bottom of the valley to the very peak of the mountaintop is all a single journey. It's all part of the great hero's journey. And where we are at in the journey, well, we have to do introspection to discover where we are in the course of our own inner journey. Certainly, maybe, uh, when people rise up out of the valley and move up into the foothills, that at that time, uh, there is often an awakening of spiritual consciousness. People moving up out of the fog and the... And, and the and, and, the, and the confusion of the valley below into the clearer, higher, more rarefied air of the foothills of the Himalayas, they begin to have an awakening of spiritual consciousness. And they look up and they see those snow-capped peaks and they uh, begin to aspire to higher things, aspire to climb the mountain. Of course, before we can do so, we have to make sure, we have to 
make sure get our affairs in order. And I always think in this in this connection, um, well, as you begin to see the, the the journey, you visualize the journey from the bottom up from the bottom of the valley up to the mountain. As you move up and progress to higher and higher altitudes, it's under, you, you're, you understand that your whole, your whole value systems begin to change. Your whole perspectives change. Your viewpoints change. Your worldview changes as you move higher and higher and higher and progress. Maybe some of you saw, uh, well, it's long ago now. I think that film is now probably out of print. It was because a Disney um, documentary called The Conquest of Everest. It's a beautiful uh, uh, movie there, and a lot of grist for the philosophical mill. Can't find it anywhere else. That story, of course, of how Edmund Hillary and uh, Norgay Tensing, the Sherpa, they for the first the first uh, to, first to uh, climb Mount Everest. And, uh, well, that word conquest is not very popular now, so they discontinued that movie, unfortunately. So, uh, but we, we, can, we can vision, as we, as we see that, we can see that their problems are very clearly there. It's like a great spiritual journey. They begin in the valley, and what's the first thing they have to do? They have to begin to, to, for supplies for that whole journey. And as they move up the mountain, they have to establish base camps. And the base camp number one, number two, when it gets to number two, now number two, base camp number two is dependent on the supplies which come from number one. And they have to long supply lines from one, two, three, four base camps. And as they ascend higher and higher, they jettison their equipment, but they're still, all the, they're still building on everything that went before. And this is the course of spiritual life as we understand that we ourselves have to, be, we, we ourselves have to, to, to successfully complete that journey to the top of the mountain. We have to make sure that we ourselves have secured the lower levels, secured the base camps. That's why Western psychotherapy is very important for us. Because, you know, sometimes, once upon a time, there were, there were two uh, men who were drinking in a tavern there near the river Ganges. They were drinking wine. They came out late at night. And in a drunken state, they went down to the river, and they got in their boat, and they, they got the oars, and they began to row. They were going to row to the other side of the Ganges. And they rowed and rowed all night long. And when the sun rose in the morning, they found they were still in the same place they were before. Well, they'd forgotten to weigh the anchor. They've forgotten to untie the boat. So similarly it is in spiritual practice. Sometimes people do practices for many, many years. But they don't seem to make any progress. Why is that? That's because we have not done the fulfilled the preliminaries, the basic things that are necessary in order for us to launch the boat. And uh, we have to differentiate uh, from, from lower levels Identify with them, differentiate, transcend, identify, differentiate, transcend to a higher level. Like that, it's a, it's a very, it's, it's a process. It's a methodical, systematic progression. Just as they began to climb that mountain. You didn't just, they didn't just run out and climb up the mountain. That's not the way you do it. So, uh, well, we can visualize that mountain 
and people at different stages, different stages of growth. And in general, we, all of us, have uh, come with, maybe we, maybe we can convince ourselves that in many different domains of our life, that is, when we talk here about personal growth, we know that there are different lines of development. So in some of those lines, we may be very uh, far advanced. In other lines of development, we may be retarded. So, but let's say in general, we've come, a far, we've come a long way. We've moved far up out of the valley. And uh, generally speaking, your needs are not for desperate for food and for shelter and for clothing and for material wealth and power. Generally speaking, you're happy. You're successful. You have the family. You have people who love you. You have friends. You are, you're integrated. You're self-actualized. Most importantly, however, you, you have had an awakening of spiritual consciousness. That's why we're here today discussing these things, because we're interested in climbing the mountain. We're interested in soul, God, and religion. And therefore, that indicates that uh, that interest itself indicates that we've crossed a threshold and that we're identifying less with the body and the mind and material things and more with the higher mind and the soul and the spirit. So uh, the fact is, is that we've come a long way. And uh, we've faced many challenges. We've met a lot of our needs but as we look in our mind and hearts and do introspection, we have to admit to ourselves that we're still not content. Sometimes you may find yourself looking into your own mind and heart, doing a little soul searching, asking yourselves questions now consciously, the questions that that everyone in the world asks themselves continuously, but most unconsciously. That's what awakening of spiritual conscious religion means. You start asking yourself these questions consciously. That is, who am I? What am I doing here? Where am I going? I begin to feel, in spite of all my material worldly success, I feel kind of insecure. I feel vulnerable. I realize that I'm mortal, that I'm going to die. What's the point of my life? What's the purpose of my life? See, all these are questions that are, sim that are symptomatic of the awakening of spiritual consciousness. And uh, the fact is, is that in spite of all of our success, in spite of material success, still, if we were to look into our mind and hearts, we feel unfulfilled. We feel an inner emptiness. We feel a missing dimension in our lives. We begin to feel those existential problems that come with the, that come with the um, identifying with the higher levels of our, of our psyche. These are all problems which are problems that are inherent in being human and in living in the relative world. Our problems today largely are not, psycho, they're not psychological problems. They're parapsychological problems. 
That is, the spirit is struggling to differentiate and to transcend the, bo the, the body and the mind and the relative world. And we're beginning to feel needs which are not physical, which are not psychological, but, we, but which are more philosophical, spiritual, metaphysical, parapsychological, para transpersonal needs. That's what we're beginning to feel um, in our mind and heart. At this point, Western psychology, that is depth psychology, psychotherapy can no longer help us. Now we have to get at, assuming that we've climbed up, now we're up in the foothills. And we're beginning to deal with these, with these uh, problems of the evolution of the spirit soul. Now we have to get on a kind of a different sort system. We need to get interested in more in, in height psychology and to change our, our perspective. And at this stage, maybe we have to part company with the therapist, and uh, that is with the psychiatrist and the psychotherapist, and uh, we need to find a guru. Generally speaking, this is the state of the collective consciousness of America today. That is, most of the people in the psychiatrist's office today are not suffering from some psychosis or some mental disease, but they're really suffering from some stage of existential despair. Their problems are, are generally speaking, not pre-personal, personal, personal pro, uh, problems, but they're prob problems that are symptomatic of a, of, a, of a spiritual hunger and thirst. That is a hunger and thirst for soul, God, and religion. And in fact, Dr. Carl Jung, <clears throat> in one of his uh, famous books entitled Modern Man in Search of a Soul, he wrote long ago a famous passage here, which I'll quote to you this morning. During the past 30 years, says Dr. Jung, people from all the civilized countries of the earth have consulted me. Well, he was, he was a famous uh, psychologist, so he could say that. During the past 30 years, people from all these civilized countries of the earth have consulted me, and among my patients in the second half of life, that is to say over 35, and sometimes I say that this Vedanta philosophy really it is for people who are older and wiser. So you don't have to be over 35, but maybe you do have to be older and wiser. Among all my patients in the second half of life, that is to say over 35, there has not been one whose problem in the last resort was not that of finding a religious outlook on life. So that was the um, conclusion of Dr. Carl Jung that we need to find a religious, philosophical, spiritual outlook on life. And uh, if we could do so, according to the good doctor, a lot of our problems would disappear. Generally speaking, there are two different points of view. That is, there are two different worldviews. 
the sacred and the secular. One is the worldly view. That is the secular, worldly, materialistic, secular, hum secular humanist point of view. The point of view that regards this world as the, as the beginning and the end and, and which denies transcendence. That's kind of the popular religion of America today. Contrast with that the religious or spiritual point of view, which believes in a higher reality, which believes and, and focuses on a metaphysical, transpersonal, superconscious, transcendental reality that includes this world but transcends it. The secularist, the materialist, regards happiness as the goal of life. And he visualizes happiness in the, sense, in the world of the senses and as, and as consisting of sense pleasure, ego gratification, and maybe at the most, self-actualization. <clears throat> but in the religious worldview, the goal of life is not, quote, happiness. You know, happiness and misery are two sides of the same coin. Therefore, we need to transcend both. And the goal of yoga is spiritual freedom, moksha, God-realization, transpersonal self-knowledge. That's the goal. <clears throat> we can see these are two different worldviews. If you've ever been to a playground of the world to a place for, like, for example, uh, which is not too far from here, uh, a place called Magic Mountain, where I once went, went with my little niece and nephew. We walked through the gates of, that, of that, uh, gr that amusement park. What do we hear? All we hear is cries of happiness and joy and, 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 and uh, wonderful, ecstatic happiness as the children ride up and down, round and round on the roller coasters. But as we look more closely and we wait for the children riding on their, on their ride, we look at the adults and we see, well, they're not too happy. <laughs> they're looking at their watches. They're bored. They're waiting to get out of there. They, uh, one group of people they love, they want to revel in this wonderful, happy experience. The other group wants to differentiate from it and to transcend it. As the American folk guru Ram Das once said, one wants to get high, the other wants to get done. So that's the adults there. <clears throat> the children want to get high. The adults just want to get done. They want to get finished. Stop the world and let me off. And uh, two completely different worldviews. So let's look more at, the, at, the, at this worldview of the, uh, the religious outlook on life. That is the spiritual worldview. It consists uh, basically, on, uh, basically of a new outlook, that is of a new, of a new paradigm, a new map, of the way things are, but it also includes, in a deeper sense, it implies not just a new view or a new belief system, but it also implies a new life, a whole new set of behaviors, a new commitment 
not just to translation, but to transformation. And uh, that's the religious, what, I, what, what Dr. Carl Jung um, suggests is what people need for self-transformation today is that religious outlook on life. The religious outlook, the religious life, that is the religious or spiritual worldview, it has two components. Spiritual life, basically, has two components. One is the, one is the moral and the spiritual. And in this context, um, it's important for us to understand that morality is the foundation of spiritual life, of religious life. And when Dr. Jung speaks about the importance of a religious life, he's suggesting probably primarily um, our, our moral and ethical dimension of our living. Many of our mental problems today, that is our problems of unhappiness, of depression, of guilt, of insecurity, are due to moral weakness. That is, they're, de they're due to defects in our moral character. They're not psychological problems. I mean, they're not, they're, they don't need a psychiatrist or a psychologist to analyze them. They're due to our failure to, well, to observe the Ten Commandments, we could say. So the first thing that we need to do to promote mental health and inner peace is to strengthen our moral character. That's part, that's the kindergarten level of spiritual life. And of course, most of us, naturally, when we come to this Vedanta philosophy, we hear these high-flying ideas of the great, we look up at the heights of the Himalayas and we see these inspirational ideas. We want to rush up to that, that high place. Oftentimes we neglect to weigh the anchor. We neglect to untie the boat. Because that's kind of not the most interesting part of it. The interesting part about it is to think about the great high ideas. But the fact is, is that many of our personal, our, our, our psycho, what we call our psychological problems are not really uh, psychological or neurotic, but they're character issues. They're problems of our moral character. And the problem is not some uh, repressed trauma, not some hidden secret that needs to be uncovered by a psychotherapist. Rather, the problem is just weakness. It's just lack of manliness. It's lack of moral and ethical values. So that's one level of a religious outlook on life. We need to look more closely at do a moral inventory and look more closely at our moral life. Of course, the second component of our religious life is all about the need to do sadhana, the need for spiritual practice. Spiritual practice nourishes the soul within us. And one of the symptoms of the awakening of spiritual consciousness is, is that we begin to feel a hunger and thirst after righteousness. Much of that inner, that inner feeling of lack, that inner hunger and thirst, that, that cry of the soul within, is just that. 
It's the cry, if we could imagine, of the inner spiritual child. To put it in the language of popular psychology, we could imagine that our soul child is within ourselves and we've, we're alienated from that child, we're distanced from it, we've abandoned that, our, our soul, our very self. And our soul is hungry and thirsty for food and for nourishment. The way that we can reconnect with our soul and ourself, the way that we can nourish our spiritual self, is to do, is to do practice. That's the food and the drink that... Um, that nourishes the soul within us. As soon as we begin to that, as soon as we begin, we will feel an inner comfort. We'll fear that that cry of the soul begins to diminish. And uh, in fact, spiritual practice on that level will eliminate many of our apparently psychological problems. So, we can see then that uh, I've shared with you a few ideas here about yoga and psychology. Yoga and psychotherapy both deal with different problems, both deal with different kinds of people at different stages of development of their life, both have different means and different ends, but the two are not contradictory. They're both powerful, effective techniques that fundamentally aim at different levels and different domains of our consciousness. Each is great in its own place. At first, we have to take the help of the one to enable us to get up out of the valley and to climb up into the foothills and become secure, those base camps. But for most of us here, our problem now is how to climb the mountain. And therefore, our primary emphasis should be to make a commitment to the highest good and to strengthen our moral character and to do spiritual practice. Om Dyo Hoshantihi Antariksha Hamshantihi Pretty V. He shantihi. Aposhantihi. Oh, Shadaya. Ashantihi. Vanas Pataya. Ashantihi. Vishwe Deva. Shantihi. Brahma Shantihi. Saravam Shantihi. Shantireva shantihi, same shantiredhi, om shantihi, shantihi, shantihi. Om, peace is in heaven, peace is on the earth, peace is in the sky and in the waters. The herbs and plants and trees are full of peace, the gods are peaceful. May this eternal, universal peace enter our souls and beings. Om peace, peace, peace be unto us all.